0: God said unto the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon your belly shall you go, and dust shall you eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and and her seed. It shall bruise your head and shall bruise his heel. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In sorrow you shall bring forth children." And your desire shall be to your husband, and he shall rule over you. And unto Adam he said, Because you have hearkened unto the voice of your wife, and has eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In sorrow shall you eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth it to thee, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face shall you eat bread till you return unto the ground. For out of it were you formed and taken, for dust you are, and dust shall you return. And Adam called his wife Eve, because she was, was the mother of all living. Unto Adam also, to his wife, did the Lord make coats of skins and clothe them. Thank you.
1: You may be seated this morning. Thank you, men. The Bible said that the things written in the Scripture were written aforetime for our learning. The Old Testament, in all of its stories, points to Jesus. The Lamb slain points to Jesus. The scapegoat that the priest symbolically would put the sins of the people upon the scapegoat and he would put his hands upon it and they would drive the scapegoat out of town symbolizing the scapegoat, carrying the sins of the way from the people, pointed to Jesus. The psalmist of David pointed to Jesus. All the Old Testament prophets pointed to Jesus. The Old Testament is really one arrow that points to the coming Messiah. And any Bible student will tell you that the law of first mention is critical when you study the Scriptures. And Genesis shows us how sin entered the world. And the Bible tells us in the New Testament that By sin, by one man, sin entered to the world, and death by sin, so that everyone that came after Adam carried within them this sin genome, if you will. The DNA being corrupted, God's judgment upon them. And I want to take this story and kind of tell it in a way that you'll see that Adam is no different than you how his life played out, yours played out, and how there was mercy for Adam. There's three main characters in this story. Uh, Satan uh, as the serpent, Adam as the man, of course, Eve being pulled out of Adam, and then God in His grace. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject, the question, the question that leads to eternal life. I have many people in my life that are not believers that I'm able to share the gospel with. And sometimes we as Christians, we can make profoundly simple things profoundly difficult. And I love using things like this. The answer to this one question can literally lead you into eternal life. Just answering one question. Responding to one question of God can bring your soul into alignment. And so I want to pray very quickly for myself and for your hearts that whatever God wanted to do today for you would happen. Lord, I just present myself to you this morning as a vessel, um, uneducated, uh, inarticulate, but I'm yours. And I just pray that you would use me this morning and the power of your word, the purity of your word, in the power of your Holy Spirit, that it would go right into the hearts of people that have never heard the gospel and those that don't believe. But may this word quicken them. May it come alive in their hearts, I pray, O Lord. And may they receive a grace that covers their sins today. In Jesus' name, amen. There's so much in this passage, and I may touch on a couple of things, but not unpack it. Have you ever, when you read this story, have you ever wondered why it didn't freak Eve out that the serpent talked? Has anybody ever thought about it? So she's walking in the garden, and the serpent goes, Eve, mother of all living things, what you doing? Y'all are just staring at me. You've never thought about that? He's talking. In the garden, there was such a newness and such an innocence. Every day was one of discovery. What language did he speak? What language did Adam and Eve speak? It wasn't English. It wasn't Hebrew. I believe in the beginning before the fall, they spoke God. I believe they, being created in the image of God, spoke God. The angels surely knew how God spoke. And Satan here speaking through this reptile was not something that shocked her because every day she was overwhelmed with some other display of God's glory. And we grew up knowing that animals couldn't speak, but they didn't know and so Satan, let's look, Satan's schemes. The Bible says to be wary, to, to understand his devices. So you'll see how he came to her and how he comes to you. It is Satan and, the, and he uses the spirit of this world and the people of this world to tempt you. He rarely comes to you as himself. But he's disguised as something familiar, even as an angel of light. You know, we get the mental image of a, a red suit, horns, pitchfork you know, fangs or a goat head or something, he'd come at me like that, I'd run. But he came to her as something familiar. When the devil tries to tempt you away from God, he uses people that are familiar to you, places that are familiar to you, media that's familiar to you. He rarely comes out and says, Hi, Hi. I am the prince of the power of this world, and I have come to seek your life. I have come to steal from you. I have come to kill you, and I have come to destroy you. In the same way Eve didn't recognize it was him, we've not recognized often his work in our life. He, when Satan tempts you, he doesn't speak to all that God's given you, but he focuses on that which has been withheld. He approached her about one thing. The tree of the knowledge of the good and evil in the Garden of Eden... But God had given them access to every other tree in the garden. Access to every river, access to every brook, access to his presence. Everything everything that was there was available to them. And here's how the devil will trip you up in your mind. The one relationship you don't have. The one limitation you have physically. The one parent that you didn't have or the spouse that walked away. And what you need to understand is you are under demonic influence, if you will. Not control, but influence. When you are dialoguing in your own heart about the one thing you don't have all the time instead of the many, many blessings that God's given you. What if Eve would have answered his question about the tree? And said, well, of course we can't eat off of this, but look at all that God's given us. He still uses that tactic today. People like myself who lost their dad when they were very young and I used that to turn away from God and I lost a decade because of the one thing that I didn't have or the one thing that I lost. When Satan tempts you, remember that he's a liar. He's the father of all lies and he never tells the whole truth. He questioned the idea to Eve that did God ever speak at all? He then questioned if he did speak, what did he really say? And he questioned that if he really did speak, what did he mean by what he said? The serpent said, hath God really said? Did God really say you can't eat of the knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Did God really say that? Because if, if he can wedge himself into our mental makeup, our psyche, to where we don't know what the Lord said, then we're game for anything. Hath God really said? That you can't be an adulterer? I mean, who wants to be with one person all their life? Has God really said that? Has God really said to keep your body pure before marriage sexually and save yourself? Did God say that that's fornication and that's sin? God God couldn't have meant that. God, God couldn't have meant man was, a woman was made for man. And man was made for woman, not for one another. Has God really said? He tempts us the same way. Because if there is no absolute... Then we're just a ship, a rudderless ship, being steered by the the carnality of our own heart and by wicked people that try to lead us. Remember that what he offers you is desirable, otherwise it would not be a temptation. The Bible says that he offered Eve this fruit. We all say it was an apple. We don't know it was an apple. Uh, But he offered her this fruit, and here's what it said. The Bible said, and when she saw that it was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, and would make one wise, she was tempted. The New Testament tells us that all sin can be found in those three areas. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. She saw that it was good for food, lust of the flesh. It was pleasant to her eyes, lust of the eyes. And it would make her wise, pride of life. Every sin you've ever committed can be summed up or found in one of those three categories. Something your flesh craved, something your eyes wanted, or something you wanted to be. The devil doesn't offer us things we don't want. He offers us the things we do want, that our flesh craves. Remember when Satan tempts you that he always hides the hook. When he offered her the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he did not tell her what the fallout would be. He did not tell her about separation from God. He did not tell her about alienation. He did not tell her about the judgment of God that would fall upon her. And many of us are being led like blind cattle to our own destruction because the devil has offered us a relationship outside of the parameter of God's will. He's offered us opportunities to cheat or, or make shortcuts. And he always hides the hook. Fishermen always hide the hook and ask the person, Ask the person that was hooked on alcohol for 20-something years. Ask us. I never dreamt that my first beer at 15 would steal 10 years of my life. There are people in this room never dreamt that that first toke of meth would cost them their marriage and the life of their children. Never would have dreamt it. Never would have thought that that look outside of marriage and that flirtatious touch and those two text messages would lead to a broken home and children growing up with divorced parents and no wonder they've got all the psychological issues they have because the devil hid the hook. And you need to understand something. Pastor John doesn't get to tell you what the rules are. That Bible in your lap tells you the parameters of God's will for your life. And if the devil says, hath God really said? You need to say, yes, he has said. Yes, he has. And don't tell me about how it looks. Don't tell me how it tastes. Don't tell me what it'll make me become. Because you're a liar and you always hide the hook. You always hide the hook. When Satan tempts you, remember that the fallout from willful sin, much of it is irreversible. Even after God forgives us, we still have the disease. And even God after God forgives us, who'll back me up here? Even after He washes you from all the illicit behavior, there's the residue of regret and remorse. And a dirty mind and a a depression that follows you. God forgave that woman that aborted her child, but she's haunted in the night because there's a residue that follows. God has forgiven us, but sometimes we can't forgive ourselves. And we need to remember that sometimes the fallout of sin, even when God is gracious to us, is irreversible. We have to be careful. Wise as a serpent. You've got to be as wise in God's Word as the devil is in the ways of this world. There's pleasure in sin for a season. And then the check comes. You remember, you're 17. You finally got that pretty girl in school to go out with you up to that time. You had dated whoever. But you finally got that one pretty girl to go out. And you took her to the nice restaurant and said, Eat whatever you want, darling. And she did. She ate the most expensive thing on the menu. And you had the, you had the dessert and the appetizer and everything. And you're working at uh, Piggly Wiggly, Hoggly Woggly for six bucks an hour. Y'all can tell how old I am. Six bucks an hour. And now it's 10 or 11. And we're going to go on strike if you don't pay us 15. But anyway, your check comes. And it's, now. this is 1980-something, so... A check is like $103, and you don't know whether to grab your heart or your ulcer. You don't know. You go, well, this was a great time and all, but that's, that's a week and a half worth of pay. There was no price on the menu. You ever eaten there? Gendala, ne la bleu bleu. I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah, make that a double la bleu. And you realize you've got to go to Tidal Pond <laughs> real quick. Anybody else have one of those experiences you're trying to impress her? And you go, I'll be right back. I gotta go make a call. And it wasn't no cell phones, you had to borrow a dime to make the call to get some money for somebody to help you. When Satan tempts you, remember to keep the person of God and the word of God sanctified in your hearts. What if she, when she was tempted of the enemy, For this one fruit, what if she would have thought about all that God had given her and how good God had been to her and how near God was to her and how glorious her life was? See, she didn't keep God sanctified in her heart. And I'll tell you by my experience, whatever room you leave open in your heart for the devil, he'll take it. Every time. Satan's schemes are strategic. They have a sense of timing to them. And they are never for your benefit. I'm telling you to your face today, the things that you are doing or planning on doing outside of the known will of God, no matter how pleasant they are to your taste, they will sour in your stomach and make your life throw up its insides to purge it from you. He always hides the hook. And sin always leaves the horrible taste in your mouth. Take it from fools like your pastor, who's 52 now and still paying stupid tax from the choices I've made. Wish I'd have known. I bet Eve would have said, wish I'd have known what he was like so I could have stopped him in the beginning. So I'm going to summarize it for you. Anybody, any angel, any preacher, any demon, Any friend, any relative, any person that tries to talk you out of the known will of God is inspired by the spirit of hell. And you have to sanctify God in your hearts. And when they say, well, if you don't do this with us and we're just not friends, then we're not friends because there's a hook in that. There's a hook in that. Don't tell me I counsel every week with men and women who come in whose jaw has been ripped out by the hook the devil set in them. Ripped out. Satan's schemes are strategic. They're personal. They're sculpted to your taste. If if it wasn't something you wanted, it wouldn't be tempting. John, you want to go to lunch? Sure. My buddy Henry Davis takes me to lunch, and we go off, and he said, I said, where do you want to go, Henry? He goes, there's this new restaurant, and it's got a prune buffet. I'm like, what? Oh, you can eat prunes, man. They got big ones, small ones, pureed ones. They got a prune smoothie. They got prunes on your salad. I said, no. Oh, John, you have great willpower. Mm, I don't like them. <laughs> I don't like them. Now, I'm using simplicity because our excuses don't ever seem so real until we see someone else use them. The reason you're tempted is because he knows what you would like. That lonely person who has lived moral, upright, and walked before the Lord, you know what he's going to do? He's going to send a gentleman to her that's kind, that writes cards, gives her flowers so that he can steal her innocence, destroy her sense of confidence and purpose and beauty, and throw her to the side. He knew what bait to throw. To the man that's been abandoned, his wife had deemed him insignificant. He's going to have some girl come up and say something simple. Something like, I wish there were more guys like you around. And that bait turns his head. Some of you are being fished for. And this word is giving you a warning be careful, be careful of the enemy. That shows up in the provision God has for you, asking you to reconsider what God has said. Hath God really said? Did God really mean that? Then he contradicted it. Hath God really said you die? Oh, you're not going to die. The wages of sin is not death. There's no fallout from this. God just wants to keep it from you. He knows that the day you eat, you'll become like Him. See, all in all, what you need to know is God's trying to keep you down. And you're your own being. You're your own person. You have your own life. Make your own decisions because God's trying to keep something from you. And only fools listen to foolish offers three o'clock in the morning. How would you like to become a millionaire in six days? Not seven, six. In the next 30 minutes, we're going to tell you how. And by the time it's done for four easy payments, as a matter of fact, we'll stretch it out if you're one of the first 100 callers, to six months of only 49.95, and if you put forth your effort, you may, there's your word, may be able to have similar results. And this man is up and he's, he's putting on his credit card and six payments of fifty dollars, he's gonna be a millionaire. First of all, may I show you who they're targeting? People don't work. What are you doing at three o'clock in the morning? We sleep because we gotta go to work. So he's targeting the unemployed man at three o'clock in the morning, throwing a buzzbait across the water. Do you want to be rich? Yeah. Do you want to have more than you have? Yeah. Do you want to provide better? Yeah. Bite this. Okay. And you're 300 and hole. What is he throwing by your head outside of the will of God that you are hitting at? And I, this isn't in my notes, but someone here that understands what fishing is. This is the particular. You tried to hit it like a bass will take the rubber worm and hit it or hit the spinnerbait. And God didn't let it get set in your jaw, but you're testing him. Be careful. Be careful. Because your sin will find you out. Number two, there's our disobedience. Satan can only tempt. He can't force-feed debate in your mouth. Years ago, there was a comedian, Flip Wilson. this 100 years ago. You remember the statement, the devil made me do it? How many old people in here? Yeah. Well, they don't know who Flip Wilson is, but they come in my office every week. It wasn't my fault. I, I, I didn't have any control. Listen to me. Listen. This ain't in my notes, but it's so good. Oh, 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 oh. This is so good. Pastor John, I couldn't help it. I said, what do you mean you couldn't help it? It was like something came over me. I couldn't help it. You mean you couldn't help committing adultery? Mm. I couldn't help it. It's like, it's like the beer calls me. And it's like a tractor beam, and I I I I, I can't help it. She was just so pretty. She's not your wife. I know, but I, I couldn't help it. The Bible says that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet, which means you're in control of yourself. We love to put our disobedience on environment. The temptation was too strong. I couldn't withstand. You're in the Garden of Eden. Sin is not an issue of your environment, it's an issue of the environment of your heart. You're in the most beautiful place in the world where God walks with you side by side. And until we cross over this spot, we're going to stumble in our own ineptitude. We are responsible for our choices. Sir, before you even come to the office and tell me your wife made you cuss her out, you're a liar. She just, you just don't know what it's like living with the old lady. She just push me in. Nobody can make you curse anyone. No one can make you cheat. Eve, what? Uh, the serpent made me do it. Adam, what about Eve made me do it? Always blaming someone else. And you can't find forgiveness in your home. And you can't find forgiveness in heaven until you take responsibility for yourself. When we sin, we rarely do so alone. It wasn't enough for Eve to sin. She wanted to bring Adam in. And that's why we rarely party alone. That's why we rarely commit sexual sins alone. Because we want to involve other people. It's easy and it's common for people to blame someone else. When you sin, your knowledge of good and evil is increased. When you sin, your heart will condemn you. They immediately hid from the Lord. See, hiding from the Lord was not a bad sign. Hiding from the Lord was a good sign because their heart was still sensitive. And I believe there are people in this room today, you'd tell me, I don't go to church. And it's not because they're hypocrites here, because there's hypocrites everywhere. If you use that rule, well, you can't go to the doctor's office because there's hypocrites in there. Don't go to Kroger because there's hypocrites in there. Don't buy no gas. But the reason you don't go is because your conscience has convicted you. And don't feel bad about that. That proves that your heart is still alive. But what happens is, if we sin repeatedly and repeatedly and repeatedly, we stop hiding from God and we walk brazen in front of Him with our lifestyle and we say, I do what I'm well pleased to do. And God's okay with it. And if He's not okay with it, He'll get over it. And it leads to that. It's called being desensitized. And what you find here in the garden is they had not become desensitized. They were grieving ...over what they had lost. And their heart was still tender. As long as that heart knows that it's sinned... ...it can repent. This is the reason... ...our culture and our media... ...is trying to do away with the word sin. It might have been a bad choice... ...but it wasn't sin. There are no sin... ...because if there is no sin... ...then there can be no conviction. And if there's no conviction... ...there can be no repentance. And if I do not repent... ...I cannot find grace for my sins... When we disobey, there is always a separation and then a distance from God. We do it. We stop coming around. Man, I didn't go to church before I was a Christian. Why? Because I didn't fit. I, I, now, I could go to dead churches. Any, any other guy in here ever went to church just to be with the pretty girl that invited you? Besides me? You just showed up. Sit on the back row. Now you text. We'd slip notes and everything else. But God wasn't there. Don't invite me to your spirit filled church. No, no. I, I just sit there and fidget and felt guilty and just ready to run out. As a matter of fact, most each Sunday we'll see people skip out and like, talk to you later. See you. They just, they just feel very uncomfortable with the Spirit of the Lord from them. Because we know that when we sin, there's a distance and a separation from God. We know that it's like turning two magnets backward, you can't quite get them together. And no matter how we try to walk with the Lord, when we're living in the result of our choices, it makes it impossible to do so. And this is very important. When you sin, we either deny that we've sinned or we try to cover it. Adam and Eve, the Bible said, sewed fig leaves together to cover their nakedness. So vines, there's no... You know, cloth world, you can buy thread or anything with. So vines, what did they use for a needle? See, I think, do anybody else think like this? How do you sew? You got a stick, hollowed out stick, and you run it through the leaf. It wasn't a very attractive piece of clothing, I'm sure. But they tried to cover themselves. How silly it is to put leaves on something that was once covered by the glory of the Lord. You know what we do? Some of us know that the word of God is true, but instead of receiving grace, we cover our nakedness with our works. I'm part of Habitat for Humanity. Wonderful program. I serve on Jays Hope. Wonderful program. We do that here. We believe in that ministry. I, I help with big brothers. I'm a foster parent. I'm a good man, I'm a good wife, I'm a, I'm a good husband. I'm a good person. I'm a good friend. I don't cheat on my taxes. I'm a good employee. But if your covering has come from your hands, it is unacceptable. It just makes you feel better about yourself. Once they realized they were naked, the fig leaves just made them feel better about themselves. A covering of their own effort. A covering of their own works. A covering of their own design. And a covering that was unacceptable. Every covering for sin that does not point to the shed blood of Jesus Christ is unacceptable. Every covering for sin. I'm turning over a new leaf. Not a covering. I'm going to do better. Not a covering. I'm going to shake the preacher's hand and make a commitment. You might as well shake a donkey's tail. It's not a covering. I'm gonna have a priest put water on my head, not a covering. I'm gonna rub beads, not a covering. I'm gonna pray to dead saints, not a covering. If it comes from this world, it's not a covering. It has to point to the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So, where was Jesus in the Old Testament? In the type. And God covered them with skins of what? A spotless lamb that he smote with the word of his mouth judged it. He judged the lamb so they could be covered. And on the inside of that skin of that lamb, God himself in a theophany, which means God appearing as a man, because they couldn't look on God in his glory. So when they heard God walking in the cool of the day, he came like them. Come here, Eve. And he put that little skin over her and covered her breast and her private part and smoothed it down. And on the other side of that skin was the trace of blood. Why did he cover them with skins? Because it would point to... See, it didn't forgive them. It would point to the forgiveness that was going to come on Calvary when the blood of Jesus Christ was shed. And everyone that looked forward to the cross, the blood went all the way back to the garden and forgave them. That's why Cain slew Abel. Because Abel brought a sacrifice of a dead animal, blood saying I need your blood covering, I need your blood covering. And Cain brought this beautiful basket of fruit and grain and barley and oats, and God said I will not accept it. And Cain was angry. And God told him he said be careful sin lieth at the door. Your heart's not right, and he killed Abel. He killed him. And there's hatred today among religious people, the ones that want their works To be accepted by God and the one that says the death sentence is on me. And if God doesn't cover me with his blood, I am undone. Abel's blood cried from the ground, avenge me. Avenge me. And the Bible says in Hebrews that the blood of Jesus speaks better things than that of Abel. Abel's blood cried, avenge me. Jesus' blood says, forgive them. Forgive them. Your disobedience cannot be covered by your works, your efforts, your church attendance, your kindness, your goodness, your intellect, your money. You have to let God clothe you. Put ye on the Lord Jesus and wear Him. And finally, there was God's intervention. God's intervention. Y'all ever seen the show Intervention? Does it make anybody else just mad as a hornet? Have you watched Hoarders? My wife has the gift of mercy. We can't watch those shows together. Oh, bless them. I'm like, flog them. What are you talking about? Bless them. Now, I'm just going to take this side of it. So don't write me an email. If you do, write it to ben at christchapelmacon.com and he'll be glad to read it. So here's this lady. Arm up to the armpits, not knees. Armpits, old newspapers, uh, TV dinner trays, skeletons of dead pets, all through the house. They intervene. That's what intervention means. You come in and said, "Can we stop the insanity here?" So a daughter from New England will come in and intervene. Mom, it's for your own good. And they, uh, or it's a daughter. This one's a daughter, and two kids are there. And they said, "Look, we come to help. We're not going to attack you. You know, nobody's mad. But if you don't get a handle on this, we're going to take your kids." And then she has the audacity to act like that would harm them. Like, oh no, you can't take my kids! I love them more than anything else in the world. Time out, freeze, stop. I believe you can have disorders that are so strong that they're almost impossible in your own strength to overcome fully. But that person ought to have went to someone and said, Hey, I have a real issue (laughs) and I've got two precious children here and if I don't get help, they're going to be living in filth and waste. And so I'm inviting you into my life to help me for their sake. For their sake. What we're learning in the natural, God says in the spiritual, there are people, us, that if God didn't intervene, we would live in our sin and our shame forever. Now, when the cost got high, we would cry about the cost but not about the issue. See, we'll cry about the consequences of sin, but not the cause of sin. And the family will come around this person and say, will you get help today on the show intervention? You know, you're drunk every day of the week. Will you get help today? They get mad at the family. It just beats all I've ever seen. Who do you think you are? The one you stole his credit card and ran up $10,000. That would be me. You've never loved me. And this mom has lost 15 years of their life trying to get them sober. Intervention means that someone, listen, this is so good. It means that someone loves you better than you love yourself. And guess who intervened in our life? God. God intervened for us. God intervened for us. God, I'm not that bad. You made me mad. Well, be mad. Would you get help today? What are you doing? Preaching at me and sending me CDs. There's some of y'all, your parents or friends f- f- feed you these sermon CDs, and you get going down I-75. need your help. That hoarder shuts his door, screams through the window, I'm fine. Why don't you just leave me alone? Because there's a hundred dead animals in your house. That might be one reason. <laughs> Sorry. I don't watch it no more. Kelly told me this. If we're gonna be married, you can't watch that no more because it makes you right. And don't even get in the refrigerator. All right. Got to, I gotta hurry, gotta hurry. Only got eight minutes. Okay. God's intervention. The pursuit. Look at this. Adam said, I heard your voice as you walked in the garden. Adam was hiding. So how could Adam hear God's voice? Tell me. What did God do? He walked toward him. I heard your voice because you walked close enough for me to hear it. I heard your voice because you spoke loud enough for me to hear it. I heard your voice because you spoke in a way that I could understand. I heard your voice because you spoke my name. He called out, Adam, Adam. And I heard your voice because in a way I longed to hear it again. The day I gave my life to Jesus Christ as a man at 24 years old, July 6, 1986, I walked into Northside Assembly of God and the pastor opened his Bible and read the text. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. I'm thinking, who told this man I was in here? <laughs> I really am really thinking of my mother. I'm going to get you when I get in the car while you told him I was coming. But the Lord called my name that day. And some of you, he's calling you constantly. And today... And this is what he asked. Here's, see, there's the pursuit, but then there's the question. Where are you, Adam? God knows all things. Why? It's not like, Adam, I can't find him. Have you seen him? Angel go, I don't know where he's at. God knew where he was, so he's walking close enough for Adam to hear him. Adam, where are you? God wasn't asking because God didn't know where he was. God was asking him because Adam didn't know where he was. My little girls try to hide now. Two of my favorites is hiding behind a pole that this hangs out both sides. And then my favorite is, if I close my eyes, you can't see me. Where are you, Isabel? Not in here. Not here. Where are you? Not because I don't know where you are, but I don't think you know where you are. And I believe the Lord gave me these phrases for someone Where are you because you're not where you're supposed to be? Where are you because you're not where you once were? Where are you because you're not near me anymore? Where are you because I'm not used to you hiding from me? And finally, where are you because I don't think you know how far you've fallen and how far you've gone? Men, if you had come, please. Adam responded. Where are you, Adam? He said, I've hid myself. Look, stay with me. I hid myself because I was afraid. There's many of us that are afraid. If God ever got a chance, He'd, he'd take the sword and mock us. And The same with the show Hoarders and Intervention. They think if they got in the room, everybody's just going to beat their brains out. But no, it's like, we just want to rescue you. And God had the list of my sins. Okay, please catch this. The list of all my sins and all my lust and all my perversions and all my abuse and all my lies. And He nailed the handwriting of the ordinances against me, the laws that I had committed, uh, sinned against. He nailed them to the cross. Well, He didn't nail the law to the cross. He nailed Christ to the cross. He was the Word of God. And so He took my sins my sins becoming Jesus and nailed him to the cross for my sake where are you Adam I don't think you know I don't think you know how far you are he said I was afraid and I hid myself because I was naked I hid myself because I did not stop my family from going into sin I hid myself because I'm ashamed and I don't want you to see me like this I hid myself because of the judgment that I thought would come upon me. So Adam and Eve clothed themselves with unacceptable covering and hid themselves. And then happened to hear the voice of God, not screaming, just walking. Adam, Adam. You know what I've learned about the Lord? When I walk my farthest away from Him, I'm often at my closest to Him. See, you think you're too far gone, man. You think it's too far. You're riddled with shame. I remember hearing people tell me, if your daddy could see you, he'd roll over in his grave. And I knew they were right, but I wanted to scream as a young boy, thank you very much. I already know I'm naked. I'm I'm riddled with shame, condemnation, frustration. John, where are you? I don't want you to see me like this. That's why I don't go to church. I don't want you to see this on me. John, Adam, where are you? I hid myself. And God says, I do have to judge. Eve, because of your sin, childbirth is going to be a very traumatic thing. You're going to desire to control your husband, but your, your, your leaning will be unto him. He's going to rule over you. And Adam, cursed is the ground for your sake. Instead of it bringing forth naturally all the fruit and the herbs and vegetables you see, now it's going to bring forth thorns and thistles and scrub naturally. You're going to have to plow and cultivate and fertilize. And by the sweat of your brow, you're going to provide for your family. And it's going to wear your life down. The stress of providing for your family is going to wear you down. The judgment came with exact precision as he cursed the serpent. and Put enmity between the the woman and the seed. It was a powerful prophecy. But it was a gracious covering. You remember I told you about the skins being on them? It was gracious because of who gave it. It was gracious because of who it was given to. It was gracious because of who it pointed to, Jesus Christ. It was gracious because it was sufficient. I can imagine Adam and Eve wearing that coat. No longer the glory, but just the coat of the skin of that animal stretched out over them. What if? We don't know. What if when God walked with Adam after that, And Adam said, you know, I'm really sorry. It's all right. Is this okay with you? Does this satisfy you? Yeah. It's where the glory comes from. You'll see. The glory he had covering him before was on the outside. But when we're born again, it now comes from within the inside. He said, that skin's got to work for a while. But it's sufficient for me. Not only is it sufficient, it's perfect. And when they stretched the lamb out wide and his skin split from the whips, you and I crawled under that skin and forever are we covered by God. So where are you this morning? That's all I'm asking. Where are you? How far away from God? How far? Where? It's all like God saying, Ollie Ollie, income free. My last point, it was gracious because it was available to whosoever will. Let him come. So for me, I came down an altar on July 6th. I try to just tell you my stuff so you can know I'm not preaching down at you. After being in a bed Of immorality that night before and up till four in the morning drinking. Eleven o'clock the next day, I was born again and covered with the blood of Jesus, just like I was. So, if it's just John asking you where you are, you ain't got to answer me. But what if God is asking you the answer to one question could open the door to eternal life? What if you said today, I'm right here, Lord then God has a covering for you. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me as Ben sings this song?
2: One more sign One more day Some what you say, but today's your day, your sign is here. receive him and just reach out
1: and receive him with no one looking around no one talking where are you says the lord say i'm in a gymnasium lord Will you let me cover you? Your covering is unacceptable. Will you let me cover you? If you desire for God to cover your sins with the blood of Jesus Christ, I'd like you just to stand to your feet and come walk and kneel at this altar. You will not be embarrassed in this church. I give you my word. No one will embarrass you. But it's time for you to come. Where are you? Come on. God bless you. And if it's a friend of yours, come with them. Just come with them. God bless you. Hey, God bless you guys. Those on our altar team, if you will come and make your way and pray with them. Girl with a girl, guy with a guy. Would you all look this way? Who else? Who else? Where are you? I just heard in my heart someone say, I'm right here, Lord. I thought I was out of your sight, but I'm right here, Lord. Where are you? People are coming from all over. Where are you? Right here, Lord. Right here, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Carla? Would you come pray with this lady here? Would, would you pray with her? Anybody else? Where's the young guy like me that was raised right but you live wrong? Today's your day, buddy. Come on. It's your day, man. God wants to exchange for you that covering of you've tried to make that you know don't work. Come on, where are you? Where's the young man that I'm preaching to? Come on. Where are you? God bless you, young man. Grief, will you come pray with this young man here? Anybody else? Guys, the Lord's moving. We're not going to make it just drag on, but the Lord's moving. And I, I hear it in my soul so quick. Backslider, come home right now. Where are you? You used to walk with the king and you've hid yourself. Come on. Where are you? John, I walked close to the Lord and now I've hid myself. Come home. Come home. Where are you? Come on. Who am I speaking to? Come home. Where are you? What if the Lord allowed me to walk the aisle and read your mail? I'm not trying to scare you. What He said, you know who you are. Who is it? Man, you used to walk with the king. You used to pray. You used to read his word. You loved the Lord and you've hid yourself. Come out of the shadows and come home. God bless you, sir. Anyone else? Just between you and the Lord. Anyone else? Saints, would you do this with me? Right before we go home, would you stand? We know it's already happened, but will you tell the Lord again? No other covering but you, Jesus. I erase my good works, my gifts, my preaching, my service. Cover me with your lamb, oh God. Cover me with your lamb, oh God. Nothing else. Nothing else. Thank you, Lord, that I'm covered. Thank you, Lord, that it's sufficient. Thank you, Lord, that it's perfect. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Saints, isn't this beautiful? Would somebody bless the Lord this morning? Thank you, Lord. I'm gonna ask one of our elders to come pray uh, dismissal. Jake, Jake Cox, would you come pray? Hey guys, one last thing on your way out. You know it's good after you've been covered. The next time God says, "Where are you?" You go, "I'm oh, right here." I'm right here. No distance. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for this
0: time. We thank you for our pastor. We thank you for the powerful sermon that he delivered. We thank you for lives changed and brought into your kingdom. And, Father, we ask that you go with
1: us and bless us and guide us and lead us in this coming week and for the rest of our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, guys, one quick announcement. I'm sorry. I promise, is it one quick announcement? Corporate prayer tonight, 5 to 6. Remember, if this is your church, these are your prayer meetings, and you need one a month or I'm going to get you. All right, see you tonight, 5 o'clock.